Welcome to New World of Work, a podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce. I'm Reese Black, Head of Workplace Design at Oyster, a global employment platform making it easier than ever to build a brilliant team on an international scale. On New World of Work, we'll hear from some of the world's best and brightest people and culture experts on cutting edge topics that people operations professionals need to hear today, all through a global lens. Join us as we navigate this new world of work together and learn more about each other along the way. In recent months, we've all witnessed the sad headlines containing the dreaded L word, layoffs. It seems that week after week, another major company is doing a big round of layoffs, impacting thousands of people and their families. Whether you've been impacted by a round of layoffs recently or you know someone who has, this is one workforce trend we hope will end soon. Our guest today believes that many layoffs could have been avoided if these companies had processes in place for people planning and needs forecasting. To discuss this, I'm sitting down with Warren Wang, the CEO of Doublefin, the automated and collaborative resource planning platform to bring finance into the digital world while making it easy for all the teams that work with finance to collaborate and be strategic about resource planning. Previously, Warren worked at Google for over 12 years, collaborating closely with their people teams to plan every aspect of talent attraction and retention. After he realized how broken the system was, he went on to start Doublefin. He's here with us today to share insights on what companies could be doing better to avoid layoffs, what processes they need to be adopting moving forward, and what the true cost of bad people planning really is. So my name is Warren Wang, and uh, I'm the co-founder and the CEO of Doublefink. Before the startup, I spent over 12 years at Google. At first role there, I was in the corporate p 18 financial planning and analysis team responsible for company-wide annual planning, earnings release, and a lot of ad hoc stuff. A big part of that is actually people planning. I built the headcount planning processes, working very closely together with the people ops team, recruiting team, people analytics team, comp team, all of them. It's a really fun experience, um, but also a lot of challenges. Then I moved to the role to lead global marketing finance team, become the finance partner to Google CMO. And uh, in, that, uh, in that role, I really observed the, the pain point or challenge of how business leaders, they manage their, you know, financial resources and how do they make decisions about the headcount, all of that. And that really triggered me the idea to leave Google and start this business. So Doublefin is a collaborative people planning and a budget planning solution, particularly for people, which is the biggest investment for most companies. What we want to do is really bridging the gap between people ops, finance, talent acquisition, people managers, right, all of them by providing them with a shared source of truth and uh, collaborative workflows so that they can plan and manage the headcount in an efficient and intelligent way. Uh, so that's what we really wanted to do over there. And I guess linked to that is trying to hone in on the, on, on the problem that you're trying to solve with Doublefin. So I guess, why did you decide to launch Doublefin? Yeah, so this really goes back to, the, uh, to my experiences back at Google. 
in the early days, that's almost like 15 years ago, 12 years ago, I was doing this kind of headcount planning for the company. Like every month, I need to pull together a report for the Google management team about the headcount status, right? So by functionally, what headcount do they have? What's their target? How many offers extended? What's the acceptance rate? What's the attrition rate? And what's our forecast? Is there any risk to the target? All of that. All the work I have to do is manually. I have to talk to a lot of people across the company. And it's, uh, I think definitely the, the management team really care about headcount, but they don't have really kind of real-time information for them to make great decisions. They rely on a lot of manual efforts and many times also errors, right? That come in with the many work over here. And then like after 10 years, I figure out, well, this is still the same case. Well, the, when you see the technology industry, there's so much improvement, everything we're doing, we're bringing the future of work to reality, right? For all the functions. But when we are talking about planning for the people, planning for the most critical resources, it's about the same as before. And there's not much change, there's not much uh, improvement. I really think that I need to, uh, need to change, right? That we have the right tool, right system, right data, right analytics that are helping business team to make the best decisions about their people investment. So that's kind of a big gap I observe in my old experience really kind of triggered me to leave Google and start this. Yeah, that, that's actually really interesting. You, you kind of made me think about the fact that Technology, of course, is helping us build companies that are highly scalable. Of course, Google is a, is a perfect example of that. It can, you know, reach such profitability and size in such a short period of time. But the technology to support that growth, as you say, with headcount planning and, and, and these sorts of topics is not there. So the technology for the business to scale is there, but to actually support that scaling and make sure that we've got the right number of people in the right areas of the business, as you say, is, is not really changed along the way. Yeah. And, and I also can use an example, like sometimes the thinking is really interesting is that when we think about the technology, we are so advanced now, right? Like you have cars they can drive by themselves, right? You have vehicles that can land on Mars. But somehow our business leaders, or even, you know, us who are, uh, want to know what the heck count do I have today? I don't know that. I don't have that information. That feels so ironic. This is a, such a critical information for us to manage the business, but we don't that. We don't know that. So this is, I think, going to be a really interesting episode because I think if I remember correctly, you're the, you're the first person we've had on the show that's from a finance background. And of course, people leaders that are the, typically the, the people listening to our episodes will be working closely with their finance teams. And I'm sure that this topic is something everyone has felt the, the challenges of. So I guess with the typical people leader that's listening to this podcast in mind, what are some of the, the challenges that you think your product will solve for their work? Yeah. So for the, what do I really think about? Like it's about the collaborative people planning platform and this collaboration, like people ops team will be a really big part of that. Right. And what do we see in the today is that there's a lot of isolation, potentially even disconnection 
So when we talk about, let's say, when we talk about people planning, two of the most important systems are actually owned and managed by PeopleOps team, right? That include HRIS system that has the employee data. And then you probably have ATS system, right, for the recruiting, hiring information. But they are probably very, um, not so much connection between the two. Yes, there's some automation of that, right? But the data structure between them probably are different. Then you also have another like a finance system, right, that contains the budget information, spend information. That's also separated from this, right? So you have a three different systems and with a very different taxonomy, very all the time we find out, you know, across our customers is that they have a different taxonomy across different systems and there's a huge inconsistency between them. So that poses the data challenges for people ops leaders and also for finance leaders. At the end of the day, they have to answer the question from the CEO for the management team about hacker, right? So how do they deliver the answers? And uh, that's going to be a challenge they probably will be facing or already facing, right, on that. Second is also about, you know, they will, people ops teams, they will help the company to make the right, you know, people planning decisions, right? And also there are a lot of workflows around those decisions. So how do they support such a decision? Let's say whatever it is that I want to plan a headcount, request new headcount, I probably need the approvals, right? How do they, can they support such a workflows? And how can TA team, talent acquisition team, be really integrated part of this processes and be more efficient? That's also missing today, right? Many times TA teams are probably the last one to be informed, hey, we want to hire a new headcount. And then, oh, I don't have, you know, I don't have enough recruiters for that. And then it's kind of late. You want to hire next day. I just don't have capacity to deal with that, right? So all of the hack-on decisions or planning products have a huge impact on people ops team, talent acquisition teams, all of that. So that's also collaboration need. The third thing we also think about is, you know, that the, the intelligence that the people ops team, I think they are focusing more and more about the people analytics and how to use the data to help the company build the, the best organizational structure, best plan to drive business growth, right? And the data is just is, uh, analytics or metrics. It's not just about a dashboard. It's about how to, how to get those insights and to support the business and to put that in the right context to enable the business to make the right decision, right? So this is also important for people ops to play a much bigger role. And also just I observed that uh, past few years, like COVID-19 definitely is a very, very unique sin, uh, environment that caused a lot of changes. I, my personal observation is that the change, the COVID-19 actually gave people ops team, HR leaders, a lot more power than ever before, right? So the question, the challenge actually for them, for people ops leaders is that how do they use the power in a good way to influence business decisions, right? And that's require a lot of thinking, a lot of collaboration with the finance leaders as well, with business leaders as well. And that's something, yeah, super interesting. I think what do we want to help, help them to make this happen.
I, I completely agree. We've, we've spoken about this idea. Of course, the pandemic was a terrible thing in a lot of ways, but it is also given an opportunity for, for the people ops function to become more strategic leaders yeah. in their business and to, to kind of rise to the challenge that is being asked of them. Well, one thing I want to add is also that, you know, the, both people ops team and the finance team, they are working together to, you know, to help the business teams right, deliver. There needs to be a lot of collaboration between this, between the two teams, right? So um, I feel it's, it would be great, actually, I can share from my perspective how we think about this, right? And uh, hopefully that can be helpful to the BevOps leaders and gives potentially some insight and uh, help them to, you know, learn how to better collaborate with the finance teams. I want to talk more about the situation we find ourselves in now over the last year or so. So as we know, the past year has unfortunately been a big one for layoffs. We've seen a lot of talented people, hardworking people getting laid off for reasons that are out of their control. What would you say are some of the reasons why this has happened? Yeah, well, I think it's definitely unfortunate, but I feel is it is inevitable to a certain extent, it's just econo economy always have, you know, downturns, right? That's kind of just like nature. And actually, econ economy has been doing really well for extended a period of time. So it's probably due for some time to, you know, to for change, no matter we want it. And also that the people in the when the economy is booming is people tend to be making decisions based on the most recent data points. Right, just like we are doing the projections, we look at the last few months or last one or two years and using that to project the future. If the trend is going up, I will continue to think this is going up. I will hire according to that forecast, right? So you're going to be making an aggressive plan. And the COVID definitely actually really making this very challenging. We have never seen this thing before. So you see that a lot of companies saw a huge, got scared at the beginning of the COVID. But then you see a lot of the technology companies actually see a, a huge demand of their services. So they hire very aggressively uh, in the past year. But now, you know, we are bringing back to earth, right? So that's definitely will have a huge impact in terms of the workforce in layoffs. Yeah, that's kind of my take on this. Well, I guess based on that, on the, as you say, the, the unexpected demand for particularly technology products, uh, the industries that we, we operate in, um, and then maybe, as you say, coming back down to earth or, or somewhat normalization based from, from, you know, the previous high. Do you think that people leaders could have avoided this? Do you think they could have prevented these mass layoffs if they'd taken a different approach when that, you know, boom in demand was experienced? To be honest, it probably did not completely avoiding the layoffs, but it could be helping quite a bit. This really got me to think about, like once a few years ago, uh, still uh, probably 2015, 2016, I actually did a did an analysis back at the Google days, and the title of that analysis is about uh, fixing the roof while the sun is shining, and my. Primary point is about headcount is that the company is doing very well, right? They're growing very well, but cost is also going quite a bit. And we did a lot of hiring. And do we understand the impact of the headcount hiring? 
right? And uh, I want to point out some, like when uh, and the point is actually really for the leaders to understand the, a lot of uh, consequences that might be hidden for headcount hiring. So I often think that there's uh, probably four different components of that. The first one people always remember that or knows that is when you hire people, there will be direct cost to the company, right? In the format of salary and a bonus and all of that. And then the second will be people already uh, probably also taking into account. It's just that like a fully loaded cost, right? You will have additional like a benefits and you will probably have, you know, uh, have offices, right? And then you will have a lot of some other costs, T&E costs, like fully loaded costs. There are some other additional costs you have to take into account. Think about the impact to the business, right? So I'll be second. The third one I think is about, you know, like it could be tipping point about the managerial or even the impact on the culture. That's kind of intangible impact on the company that you have to be thinking through. So you could have a manager managing, you know, five employees and seven employees, which is okay. But when you go into the point of having 20 employees, you probably need to hire another manager right, to build the team. So there is the additional cost of, as you're building the organization, building the team, you need to add managers, you need to add HR, you need to add finance, all the people. That type of, you know, investment you need to support for those bigger organization have to take into account as well, right? The fourth thing I'll mention at the time is also about the, actually the flexibility. So by having a much bigger organization, the hack-on cost, I would say, oh, hack-on is uh, different from other investments the business are making in the sense that it is automatically carried forward. It's more fixed than variable. So this is different from marketing investment. Let's say I do an event this quarter, I spend $1 million. Next quarter, I start from zero. Really? So, but hack-on is not, right? When you hire people, you'll continue to carry forward. It's much more fixed than the variable cost. So you have to understand the commitment you are making for the company, right? It's a bigger, it's a much bigger commitment than probably other investments you're making. Do people realize that, right? Take that into account when you hire people that. So that's kind of that. the fourth thing about when you're doing this investment, you're reducing flexibility. But today, I probably even want to add more in the sense that I get really triggered by the recent layoff is we also should think about the the impact on the employee side of things as well is that when we are hiring people, we're making hiring plans, we potentially are really, you know, having some big impact on some people's lives. And we don't want to impact our lives in, you know, just because we are making maybe not a smart decision or very rushed decision to decide, hey, let's just hire 10 people. And then the next month or something, feel, oh, actually we overhired, we want to pull back and we let people go, that have a dramatic impact on people's lives. We, we, I think we need to be more accountable to that, right? By making these decisions. And that would be even a, a, another element I would want to add to, to this particular question is about what do we, how do we think about the potential impact of our hack on decisions? Do we have a thoughtful way to take all of them into account before we do that? So back to the question, I would think like people, ops leaders, if they can help the business think through all of this, right? They really understand the impact 
the consequences of this, maybe we can make a, a better, you know, hiring plan, right, or decision. Maybe we can avoid some of this from happening, right? But I think that's probably kind of my takeaway from this. As Warren explains, layoffs are often inevitable, especially in unprecedented scenarios like the pandemic. However, there are also situations which can benefit from wise people planning. Through thoughtful planning and careful collaboration with other departments like finance, PeopleOps leaders can have the power to minimize layoffs. Let's hear more of Warren's tactical tips of avoiding layoffs whenever possible through smart people planning. If a people leader is listening to this right now and, and they're saying, okay, my business uh, is, you know, grown really fast over the last year or two years, and now we're either freezing hiring, we're potentially even considering layoffs, maybe even we've done layoffs so far. What, what would you say to the people leader listening to kind of have these discussions and to say, look, we have responsibility to uh, these people. We, we were the ones that instigated the hire. They you know, are, are somewhat victims in this scenario. And if we're not careful, we might actually have bigger societal impacts. There may be, you know, socioeconomic problems that come from this. We might play part in. What would you say to a people leader that is that needs to have those discussions to try and make their the rest of, you know, their counterparts, the executive team, consider this as a more holistic strategy for their business? Yeah, I, I totally think is uh, bringing the awareness of this, right? If you agree with that, these are important considerations that the company care. And then I think the people ops leaders would bring this kind of points to the management team, right? For discussion. And that also goes to the point, I think the HR leaders now have a much bigger, you know, seat at the table, right? And they can use this as a way to be part of the company-wide strategy decision-making process, right? To you help to shape the company kind of decisions or strategies and then bring this become part of the conversation when they think about people planning, right? Or the investment they want to make. And also this is to be, become a very healthy challenges, right? It's not like we are, we're going to support the company decisions once we reach that, but I want to bring all the important points up there. That's what brings another point is also, um, I think a particular for startups and early days, HR leaders or even finance leaders many times are, a lot of the transactional work, they have to get things done, right? A lot of process work. I think also, of course, all the leaders, they will have to, you know, remember just to, you know, get them out of this, all the weeds, but also have some highly strategic input that can provide to the, to the management team, right? To do this. And also bring the visibility, not just awareness, but also visibility. Think about some, you know, people, data or analytics or something like that bring visibilities, then that can help to gather the best uh, kind of people planning decisions or even structure. Sometimes it's not like a management team, they want to do this. It's more about they are not even aware of something. They are visible. As an example, you show, say, there's a level distribution of our workforce, right, in a company. And the management team may realize, whoa, it's so top heavy. That doesn't make any sense. And we need to change that, right? So how do you bring this level of, you know, insight into, uh, to the table for the discussion? I think that's also what uh, people absolutely leaders can do. So I, I want to get a little bit more granular, a little bit more tactical. Of course, your product, Doublefin, is, is 
meant to help with workforce planning in a more collaborative way. But I guess apart from your own product, what could some people leaders do in terms of key systems or processes that you believe need to be updated or, or to be improved to best support this kind of work when it comes to workforce planning? Yeah. So I think the first one is about really having the kind of data more in a more clean and a consistent way across different systems. And I believe you probably all people leaders have these experiences that they got very low quality data from their system. They poor report, a lot of mistakes, their errors here, there, and they are spending a lot of time to clean up in a spreadsheet, right? And, but this, the problem continue to come back to them to harm them in the future. So when you don't have a good data there, it's harder for you to make sense of the numbers or use, use that to make the right decision, right? So this is a, probably from that is uh, we actually even when they're doing the implementation process, we help them, right? So this is a kind of like uh, by doing that work, you actually you identify, detect a lot of issues with the data. And also you, how do you maintain a very consistent, you know, taxonomy between the different systems. So that enable cross you know, system, all the data have one source of truth and a high quality of that. So that will be really helpful for them to later on to build the analytics on top of this. And also giving the, the managers, giving the leadership confidence that we have the data to make the right decision, right? That's also something they could be really helpful and also benefit, particularly when they are growing. Let's say when they're growing, they're going to have a lot of growth pains, right? You want to make sure your infrastructure is robust, is solid to support this growth. Or even when you are down to your own too, you want to make a big change of the headcount, you want to make quick changes. Do you have the data at your fingertip, right, to do that, right? Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of time just to, even to get the data. At the time you get the data, you're kind of like too late, potentially. So that's that. Secondly, it's also the people officer can also be helpful maybe to just bring the teams together right, across the company to manage the people. So again, this is the kind of people plenty is about a cross-functional work, right? Like a finance, TA team, people ops, and also all the people managers in company, they are all part of this, you know, processes. And they are critical stakeholders. So people ops team can definitely play a leadership role, right? Like by setting up the right workflows right policies, processes that can support those kind of like workflows. That's definitely what they can do in addition to the data we talked about. The last piece is about analytics. We talk about that, right? That building on top of the data you have, the workflows we have that, and then you are providing the analytics to support the whoever is making a decision that time, right? Bring the analytics into the right context. That I think is will be great for them to and a follow-on question, I, I think it was when you said to have the data at your fingertips, it made me think, think about the timing of this and, and when to prioritize this work, because I think everybody listening will, will probably say, you know, there's a million other priorities that might end up further up the list than this. Um, and then by the time you actually prioritize it, it's kind of too late, particularly on the data side, right? Yeah. You, you need to have time to set up those systems and you also need to have time to collect that data. So I, I would imagine your answer to this question will be as soon as possible. But what advice would you give in terms of prioritizing this work, in terms of the timing of doing this work uh, and the, the, you know, the growth trajectory of the business? 
Yeah, I, I think, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Of course, you always have a competing priorities. I think the end of day is really coming down to how much you value this compared to other items for your list. Right? Do you value, you know, let's say people planning, hackathon planning is very important. Do you value, you know, this type of investment as a very, a big part of your, of your responsibility? Then, then if you, if you agree on that, then you probably should make the right decision to prioritize this. Don't wait until, you know, the last minute when I really can have a series of problems and then you're going out to fix that. And many times, actually, at the time, it's very costly to fix that, right? You have a lot of history like that, that you have to pay off to do that. You have so much history that maybe not be clean, but the messy data, you have to spend tons of time hiring consultants to clean that up. That's probably not, not the best way to do. This is why I would compare to even another probably process is that Think about that like for most companies and pretty much every company, when you're buying stuff, right? We, when they grow to a certain stage, they're going to have this PO process, right? So no matter what system you're talking about, you're going to Oracle, SAP or different systems, right? Different product, different company, but their PO process are more or less the same, right? The steps are about the same. And so there's a clear understanding about what do I need? to buy something out of the policy or something like that structure of the pure process. I'm not saying the pure process is easy to use, or there are a lot of issues with that as well, right? But there's a clear understanding where trying to make investment in some non-hacker related uh, items, right? It's a standard across industry. But when you talk about hacker here, you'll find it's completely random by companies, right? Every company make up their own process, their own policy or something and they're trying to make it work. And then as they grow, they're trying to continue to make adjustments here and always learn by mistakes, not learn by best practices. And as they have to make a mistake and then realize, oh, I need to do a different way and I need to do this and that, right? That's a very costly even to the entire, you know, like society. Like why do we continue to recreate the wheels? So I will think about for people of the leaders, sometimes it's probably even more looking at how do we build a more structured or based on the best practice, based on that from early days, we have a standard or, or great process, workflows, or the, the best practice, right? To build this up on top of mistakes we already made before by other people. We learn from that. And then we start from, you know, already a better or uh, a higher foundation on top of that. So that's what something we hope that that can change in the future by bringing to, by making the, you know, the people planning are much, much more efficient and much more intelligent. Absolutely. I agree. I want to talk a little bit about the future and, and what you see coming. Where, where do you see this going next in terms of workforce planning? What would you say are some of the, the big trends or the big changes that will come in this particular area, maybe let's say over the next five years? I think some of that we just touched upon, right? So including I think uh, people probably more and more folks will realize that there, there is a better way to plan this and that they want to build on top of the best practices. They are maybe even uh, from the benchmarking, right? To know what is the better way to do this. The second is also how do we enable more nimble 
and the flexible workforce planning. This is even more important in the changes we are seeing today, right? The workforce is much more international, a lot of more remote. And of course, that means a lot of changes, right? And we see dramatic changes, like some of the customers or some of the companies, that their workforce, we just talked to some of them, they're saying their workforce changed dramatically. It used to be completely in one city. Now they're spreading across all the, you know, country, different countries, right? So that require a lot of, you know, probably changes from their way they manage that as well, right? How do you have the visibility? How do they make a quick decisions? So they need a different platform, different, different way to do the people planning. So that has to be much more nimble. And third one, I think, would be also about how to embed data and analytics into this in the sense that, you know, even potentially can bring AI into this is that, let's say, when I'm trying to hire someone or I want to make a plan for my workforce, right? What are some recommendations? over there, right? What's the best location where I can find the best talent at the probably most cost-efficient way, right? All of that. How do I make decision? How do I have that intelligence to do this? So this can be part of the future workforce planning as well. And this is definitely something we are working on. And, and then following on from that, what's next for you and Doubleton? Yeah, so we are, yeah, we are really excited about the future. I think we can definitely see the trend that this is coming to be potentially the, the changes that potentially the industry is going to experience in the next five or 10 years. So we are really building the product. We have the, we have this great feedback from early customers, but we really want to take this to the next level that bringing all the vision into this. So we are building some very exciting features and a product roadmap. And then hopefully that can really help the, help the, our customers and future customers to make this kind of people planning and big part, an integrated part, but a much better way to manage their resources and account. So that's kind of where we're hoping to be part of this, you know, the transformation that we believe eventually will transform all the companies in the world across industry, across sectors, across countries, that the way how they manage the people. Fantastic. Looking forward to seeing what you release next. So to, to finish up, this is a question that we ask all of our guests that come on your world of work. And it's a bit of an abstract one, but some of the answers we get are fantastic. So what is the best mistake you've ever made and why? That's definitely an interesting, tough question. I thought to make too many mistakes. I think one mistake might be is in my career, I probably, particularly early days, not being very strategic about what I want to be and, uh, and stay in the same role for too long, right? Doing the same thing over and over and be very comfortable in my comfort zone. I was doing something I was really good at. Everybody continued to give me recognition for what I did. As I feel, whoa, this is great. So I continue to repeat that. <laughs> but, but think about that, like how does that fit into your overall the higher level your career goal? How do you continue to grow yourself? I didn't really think so that. I didn't do too much about that. So that become, definitely it's not the, it's not a great thing for me to do. And also making this the career development a little bit random, right? So your next opportunity many times become like, depends on who are the recruiters approaching you, what the uh, opportunity they brought to you, 
rather than you proactively reaching out or figuring out what you want to do, and also figuring out what is the right match between the opportunity with your skill set, with your passion. Is this really passionate about, right? So that makes the career a little bit random rather than more, more strategic. So that's feel like this is a big mistake I make. But what I say me the best is, is that it turned out to be the role I spent a lot of time on, like those kind of roles that the part of doing. Eventually, actually, particularly for now, it turned out to be very helpful to what I'm doing today. So I was able to, to connect the dots from before, right? The different experience, the different part, able to connect the dots, become helpful. But dot, if you cannot connect them, then the dot will be a dot, right? So it's not that helpful. I still think this is, um, is to certain, maybe it's a little bit lucky or to certain extent, but it's not by strategic. So this is a mistake. I still think it's a big mistake. I wouldn't recommend this, but, but this does help me, uh, like my today's work as well. I like that. Fantastic answer. Thanks very much, Warren. That was great. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did too. Yeah, thanks so much. Really great to be here. Warren had some great insights to share about the future of the workforce and how we can work together to keep layoffs to a minimum going forward. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Use data and analytics to your advantage. Similar to our previous episode with Julie, this episode reminds us that tracking metrics is on the rise in the world of people ops. It's important that we make use of all the tech, tools, data, and even AI we have at our fingertips to make calculated decisions when building teams. Another tip Warren shared was about increasing effective collaboration across the company, especially between the people ops and finance teams. This way, the two teams can work closely together to make cautious and informed decisions about hiring to avoid potential layoffs in the future. Enable more flexible and nimble workforce planning. Finally, I love what Warren said about the need for a more flexible and nimble approach to building teams. The working world has changed dramatically in recent years, and the hiring processes that we use need to keep up with the rapidly shifting landscape. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of New World of Work. We'll be taking a short break over the holidays, but we'll be back with new episodes for you in the new year. If you're interested in what today's job seekers are looking for in an employer, be sure to check out our employee expectations report by visiting the link in the show notes or visiting this URL, bit.ly forward slash oyster report. I repeat, that's bit.ly forward slash oyster report. Thank you for listening to New World of Work, the podcast exploring the new frontier of the modern workforce through an international lens. We hope this episode served to expand your horizons and open your mind to a new perspective. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so that we can reach more listeners. I'm your host, Reese Black. See you next time.